Welcome to the Von Nelson Podcast. Today, my guest is Senior Portfolio Manager, CEO, and CIO, Chris Wallace. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Dan. So, Chris, um, you know, we've been watching the Fed reverse quantitative tightening here, and, and they've begun to begin their balance sheet once again, um, mainly in part to support repo financing. Now, do you find this as a, as a, as a temporary issue, uh, as the Fed has implied so far? Um, and then the second part of that question is, you know, have they been successful in your mind in providing the incremental liquidity to the marketplace? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, I don't think this is a temporary phenomenon. And I think it's, it's structural in nature, not just because of the changes in regulations within the banking system, uh, but it's just a product of the disparate central bank policy we have around the globe, meaning we still have positive rates. Other major central banks have negative rates. And while the Fed discussed this being, quote, kind of a calendar issue, the simple truth is it's being driven by multiple factors, including the rising deficits. And in effect, what the Fed's trying to do is provide the liquidity necessary to fund the incremental increase in the deficits without disrupting wholesale funding. And just due to the nature of the way the plumbing is structured, it hasn't been successful. Um, and we can see that because we've seen increasing quantities needed uh, in overnight financing. And we just saw the announcement that they're going to launch you know, longer dated financing options, 28 days and 42 days. Uh, and that's an indication that they don't have their hands around it and that there's something more structural at work. Uh, so, no, I don't think it's temporary. And no, I don't think they fixed it. Uh, and my concern nearer term really is going into December, where there's going to be significant liquidity stress, much greater than what we saw in September. And I'm not sure that the, the market's prepared for that, nor am I comfortable that the Fed's prepared for that. So you, know, you just mentioned that you know, some of the tools that they've begun to issue are, are longer-term um, funding. And as you think about you know, the, the, uh, the Fed and their ability to uh, alleviate concerns of the market and, and stress that's been placed on the market, you know, what else do they have out there in their, in their toolbox, essentially, to um, you know, withstand yeah. or fight through some of these, uh, these policies? Not, not much. I mean, they're going to have to change policies. Uh, they need to change regulation if they really want to address this. You know, just providing dollars into the marketplace through the primary dealers doesn't necessarily mean it's getting to repo financing, nor does it mean they could just simply, uh, you know, put out a standing repo facility and that would necessarily get to the participants. We're talking about probably non-primary dealers, maybe even non-bank financial entities that need this liquidity, and as such you know, just providing liquidity to a primary dealer that's not interested maybe in taking on a non-financial bank entity as a counterparty isn't going to solve the problem. More importantly, if they just want to uh, help kind of drive some of this liquidity to the areas that may be needed, they're going to have to get and coordinate with the other central banks to get kind of shorter-term rates closer in line because, you know, it may be the case that we're providing dollar liquidity. It may be getting out to non-bank financial entities, but it's being, you know, funneled back into dollar-based credit instruments that have much higher rates than the rest of the world. Um, and I think this is going to be a, a bigger issue over the medium term, which is to say there's going to be a convergence in policy rates. Uh, I suspect the Fed is going to be 
made aware by the market and by GDP data that they're probably going to have to get a little more aggressive um, on the Fed funds rate. And at the same time, the negative rates around the world are starting to wreak havoc with pension plans. You know, we're seeing issues in Denmark where benefits are going to start to be cut the real issues in the banking system and in the insurance sector. So negative rates may need to move closer to zero and our rates may need to move closer to zero and we get some element of convergence um, before any, you know, any central bank is going to have any wherewithal to have an effective policy. Well, that's good. You actually jumped ahead and answered my next question here. And, you know, that was, that was exactly going to be it. You know, do, is there going to need to be a more coordinated effort between the U.S. and foreign central banks, particularly around rates and, and a convergence of those rates. So, you know, in, in your opinion, we, we may very well uh, tick a little bit lower. And uh, at the same time, um, we'll see some outside central banks, outside yeah. the U.S., uh, begin to move in, in a little and, bit closer and you're seeing, positive. Yeah, you're seeing that after the curve steepened, after the Fed rate cuts, we've seen it flatten out. Today, we're basically flat between two and five-year treasuries. Uh, the spread between twos and tens has probably fallen a third. Um, and I suspect that, you know, some of that's just the natural retracement off the bottom. Uh, but it's also the market kind of debating itself. Are we really uh, set to improve going forward? Or are there some, some more structural issues that may be happening? And, and certainly, um, you know, there's some indicators in the credit market that certainly show that things aren't all well and in fact, they may be deteriorating. Great. So, you know, as, as you're looking in your seat, um, you know, are there indicators that you'd be looking out for? Um, anything you keep an eye on that would signal that the liquidity issues uh, that we've we've witnessed here are beginning to improve? Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't think they're giving any indication that liquidity is beginning to improve. And if anything, I think it's getting worse. And this may become the story in 2020 because, you know, as we've said over and over, it's it's the provision of credit and the expansion of liquidity that drives economic growth and drives asset prices. And we're starting to see those factors deteriorate. Um, one, just in general, the relationship between interest on excess reserves and Fed funds is still out of whack. So that hadn't come back in line. Um, the issues around the CLO market and the equity tranches where those are deteriorating and we need kind of those prices to remain stable so that, you know, whether it's coming from a leveraged loan market or somewhere else, the, the credit that's being, being created and being packaged up and is being sold into these uh, resale or wholesale channels, um, that that will continue to happen. And that's starting to break down, which means we're going to see liquidity available to corporates for both share repurchases or for M&A, or for other things start to decline, and that's not good. Um, and we're starting to see problems within autos expand. I mean, we've seen delinquencies within subprime auto have been ticking up, ticking up for some time now, uh, but now we're starting to see it start to impact used car prices, which then you're going to see that impact recoveries, and you'd see a pullback there. And so I just think we're at a very mature stage for the credit cycle, and from an economic standpoint, we're at that point where, you know, yes, there's weakness. Yes, the central banks have said they're addressing it. It's just temporary. You know, we just need to make modest adjustments. It's, quote, the pause that refreshes. Uh, and I think we're going to be debating for the next, you know, kind of three to six months, was this the pause that refreshes, or is just this the natural part of where you are as, you know, you, you slow down, you get a response of liquidity, it's a temporary 
positive inflection that then plateaus and rolls back over because the issues are much greater than what anybody anticipated. And that's going to be the debate we have in 2020, especially going into the election. So as, as you begin to look outside the U.S., you know, we've, we've spoken a couple of times um, about re- Europe in particular and beginning to see, uh, you know, a bit of a modest recovery. You know, have you begun to see this uh, elsewhere in other regions? Yeah. You know, we've, we, you know, we noted earlier that we've seen kind of a recovery in the services side uh, within parts of Europe. Uh, you know, we've seen now stability in Germany on, from an industrial standpoint as well. And I know we've highlighted in the past that both the weakness in European autos and China autos, you know, it is cyclical and can recover versus, you know, what we're seeing in India, which is more structural with the credit system. Um, And so, yes, we're seeing, you know, further um, kind of broadening of the of the improvement and the stability within Europe. It's moving into the industrial side of the equation. Uh, We've seen it broaden out in Asia, both with Taiwan and Korea. Uh, and it's starting to improve uh, within China itself. Uh, again, it's very, very early in this, and there's no indication yet, uh, you know, how long it will continue or, or whether it's going to roll back over, but we are seeing those positive signs. You know, where we're not seeing it is still in the U.S., um, and the debate's going to be, you know, whether the improvement that we do see in Europe and Asia, uh, you know, does it continue to spread around the world or... Uh, is it just going to be a, a short-term cyclical bounce? Okay, so you know, so that's an interesting uh, point that you make here. And you know, as as I look at you know 2019 in, in isolation, and you know we're sitting here recording, um, and you know the the S and P is up you know about 25 percent or so this year. Uh, but it's a great a great year. But year over year on a rolling one, you know we're more or less flat. Yep. Right. And you know since the beginning of this year, you know the market's up you know 25 plus percent. Uh, at the same time, we've we've seen earnings that have that have come down. So, you know, I guess that really dovetails cleanly into, you know, what, what is your take right now yeah. on, on the U.S. markets and, and we're exiting or excuse me, as we, as we exit, you know, the fourth quarter of 2019 and, and we start looking ahead to the beginning yeah. part of 2020. You know, as we've talked about in the past, you know, we think we're in a liquidity recession and have been. Um, and that's what really drove markets sideways to down uh, for the last, call it, you know, 12 to 18 months, depending on what, what market you're looking at. Uh, we've certainly saw an increase in liquidity at the beginning of 2019 uh, to arrest really the sell-off that was happening in risk assets. And then we've seen a further boost in liquidity with the Fed reversing quantitative tightening and trying to add to, to repos. So the liquidity environment has improved, but all I think it's really done is get less worse. I don't know that it's really moved into kind of a, a pro-expansionary phase. Um, and so I, I think we're still, uh, I would call the liquidity environment neutral uh, to maybe positive shorter term. Longer term, if the credit issues we're seeing within the CLO market broaden out or the issues we're seeing within auto lending and elsewhere broaden out, uh, that's going to be met, I think, with a pretty swift response out of corporate America with layoffs. So, you know, we've talked about in the past kind of labor market data has been weak. And softening, that continues to be the trend in the U.S., and I suspect the data we're going to get uh, for November is going to show a similar trend, which is a continued kind of weakening uh, in employment data. You know, this kind of mini-stagflationary environment we're in is is not good uh, for real consumption, and we're starting to see that in the retail earnings releases we're getting currently. 
Um, and so I do think the earnings recession that, you know, we're negative year-over-year -year earnings, there's no question about it, uh, that we're experiencing now is not necessarily set to reverse soon. So my only concern fourth quarter really centers around for getting the liquidity we need uh, as it relates to implementation of new banking regulations and being able to fund um, the, the deficits. And I don't want to see a, a mini repeat of what we experienced last fourth quarter. But beyond that, if you look at 2020 as a whole and beyond, we need to see some stability in corporate earnings and a reacceleration into positive earnings. Um, and I don't know that that's in the cards yet. What I'm seeing is more underlying pressures from a cost standpoint, uh, softness from a top line standpoint. And so I think margins may be more pressured in 2020 than, than what's appreciated. Um, and, you know, yeah, we may beat lowered earnings every quarter, but when we really look out at what's being anticipated for estimates for 2020, they may end up being materially lower than they are today. And if that's the case, I would suspect the S&P and the broad averages will be lower as well. Well, let me link two of those those last comments that you made. And you know, in your in your opinion here, if we ultimately secure the liquidity that's needed, um, and there's like a level of comfort associated with that, does that increase stability at the corporate level? And at that point, do you end up seeing uh, earnings move positive, uh, less pressure on margins and a stronger overall uh, economy? I think it, I think it's two different issues. So I think, think of the liquidity. If we get the improvement, we're going to have the ability to finance the fundamentals and, and pay for the fundamentals. Um, and there's a little bit of a uh, in a relationship where if the liquidity is not there, then and in fact, you know, that'll pressure certain business models and the execution of those business models. My greater concern is that, you know, we're just at a stage where labor is going to get an increasing share of the profits pie, uh, you know, whether that's the GM strike or, or other elements. When you're at such low levels of employment and for the most part, labor hasn't had its share. And when you look at the current politics, it's going to be very difficult not to allow labor to get a greater share of income. And it, quite frankly, it's necessary as well, just so that we can continue the level of consumption we need in our economy. That has to come at the expense of something. And my suspicion is given the low level of CapEx, the lack of productivity, the lack of innovation, the lack of risk taking within our economy, it's gonna come at the expense of profits and valuation multiples. Now, that's a great point. I, I really like that. And I think that's a great way to tie it up, right? Looking out at, uh, into 2020 and, and, you know, there are certain political pressures that are being placed on, on uh, corporate entities at this point. And, and you know, the, the, uh, the labor costs are going to go up, but ultimately those can end up driving consumption. But someone's got to take a haircut somewhere. Yep. So um, yep. very good. Well, excellent. Well, let's, let's leave it at that. And then, you know, thank you very much for joining us today, Chris. You and, bet. Thank you, Dan. Um, we certainly look forward to having you again. You bet. The views, information, and or opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Von Nelson and its employees. Von Nelson does not verify and assumes no responsibility for the accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast. The primary purpose of the information, opinions, and thoughts presented in this podcast is to educate and inform. This podcast or any podcast in the series does not constitute professional investment advice or services 
and any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk. Past performance is not an indication of future performance. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the entire contents of this podcast are the property of Von Nelson or used by Von Nelson with permission and are protected under U.S. copyright and trademark laws.